Hey everyone, and welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. Today we have Chris Dew from Anderson, South Carolina, and he's going to answer the question, where does true blessing come from? Let's find that answer together as we listen to Chris look at a few areas where blessings don't come from and unpacks the one place they do. What's up, Vineyard Church family? It's Chris here. I'm, I'm happy to be with you again. Would you pray with me as we jump into God's word? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're here to hear from you, God. And I pray right now that as we jump into your word, that you would speak to us. Uh, that you know, wherever we are in our spiritual journeys, in our lives, that we would hear from you. Holy Spirit, have your way in us and transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I was in rehab, uh, I remember uh, there was this uh, man there that was really, really loud, like kind of, um, he was a little obnoxiously loud. And he would scream every morning, I'm so blessed, I'm happy to be alive. And I remember thinking like, what does this guy have to be happy about? Like, how is he claiming that he's blessed right now? He's been homeless for 20 years. He, he, uh, you know, he doesn't have a house, he doesn't have cars, he doesn't have a wife, he doesn't have any money, right? Uh, he didn't even have a job at this time. And yet, over and over again, he was explaining, I'm blessed. Uh, that he had been a crack addict you know, for a very long time and had about three months clean. And he really felt blessed. And early on, as I heard him explaining these things of how blessed he was, that a question came to my mind. What is blessing? Like, what does it actually mean to be blessed? Uh, I remember uh, when I was a kid, I used to watch this uh, TV show. It was called MTV Cribs. Uh, I bet all the millennials will you know, remember this, and that's about it. So it probably won't connect with a lot of you guys. But there is this uh, show called MTV Cribs. And what they did is they went to these uh, famous people's houses, and uh, they pretty much showed them around. All their cars with the 20s on them and, and, and huge houses. And uh, they'd always go to the fridge and be crystal in there, right? It was just this, it was this incredible show. And when I hear the word blessed, oftentimes uh, that's what comes to mind is, is having tons of money, tons of cars, and everything is just flowing in life really good. But scripture paints a way different picture of what blessing actually looks like. Here's you know, one way to describe how scripture paints uh, the picture of blessing. It explains this, that it's happiness experienced by a person from being treated favorably all by God. That scripturally, blessing is happiness experienced by a person from being treated favorably by the Lord. And so uh, the world's view of blessing or happiness is fleeting and fragile. Yet the scriptural view is lasting, sturdy, favor, and joy. And the question that I'm going to try to answer from the scripture is this. Where does true 
blessing come from? Where does true blessing come from? All of us want to be blessed and all of us are asking this question, where does true blessing come from? If you have a Bible, uh, flip open to Genesis chapter 30. We are over halfway through the book of Genesis. I'm proud of you guys for making it all the way this far with us. To give a little context of where we've been so far in Genesis, uh, that early on in chapters one and two that we saw creation, that there's a creator God who made everything in the world for his glory and our joy. And he made humans. And everything was blessed, uh, that humans had intimacy with God, closeness with one another, and creation was blessed. Yet then chapter three comes, and evil and sin enter into the world, and all this blessed uh, experience of life is replaced with emptiness, conflict, and struggle. And yet over and over again, all the way through the rest of the book of Genesis, we see that that creator God, he does not leave people in their mess, except rather he runs towards their mess and brokenness in order to bring about restoration. And ultimately what eventually happens is that he chooses one man, Abraham. And he ultimately says, I'm going to bless you in order that you can bless the entire world world again. And then he has a child, Isaac, and then Isaac has a child, Jacob. And this is where we pick up our story right now. Where does true blessing flow from? Well, I'm going to frame this message up is that first that we're going to look at six places that blessing isn't flowing from. And then Finally, one place it actually comes from. So you have to come with me on the journey of all the six places in this chapter that it isn't going to flow from. And then at uh, the end that we'll get the payoff in the one place that it flows from. So stay with me in the six places that it won't come from. The first one is comparison. Where does true blessing come from? Well, the first answer in this passage is comparison. Let's read in verse one. It says this, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She envied her sister. So a little bit of context from last week is that Jacob falls in love with a girl named Rachel. And he goes to her father and says, hey, um, I want to marry Rachel. How can I do that? And he says, man, all you got to do is you you have to work for me for seven years. And he's like, gladly. Like, oh, Rachel is way worth that. And he works all those seven years and it comes his wedding day. And yet uh, Laban tricks Jacob and he ends up handing him Leah rather than Rachel, who's the, uh, the unwanted, uglier sister pretty much. And uh, he tricks him and he ends up with Leah and then he's furious and he goes uh, you know, to Laban again, her dad, and just says, whoa, what happened? I wanted Rachel. And he said, I will give you her as well if you work for me another seven years. So he does it. He works 14 years in total. Yet, as you can imagine, having two wives 
who are sisters kind of complicates some things, right? This is a sister-wife situation, uh, causes real comparison because Rachel and Leah each want what the other one has. All Rachel wants is kids and all that Leah wants is love. And oftentimes this is how we are in our world as well, that we think that if we are just a little bit uh, you know, better than all the people around us, then we will be blessed. This is all over social media. It's like, man, if I get 100 likes and you get 50, I feel real good about myself. And I think this is a massive issue in our culture today. I, I remember hearing a pastor explain the story one time about how he got a uh, um, health insurance from a job that he got. And he was so excited. He had never had health insurance and retirement before. And he went to all his friends and he was so excited. He's like, guys, guess what they gave me at this job I just got? Health insurance. I got a 401k. I got like, I, like I, all this insurance. It's amazing. And all of his friends kind of looked at him and were like, yeah, bro, that, that's kind of like part of the package that you normally get when you get a job. And instantly, he went from gratitude all the way to entitlement very, very quickly. He was incredibly grateful for what he did have. And then when he compared himself to others, that he became entitled. He's like, yeah, they need to give me more money after that, right? It's amazing how quickly things can change. Where does true blessing flow from? Well, it's not comparison. Here's number two. The... Second place that true blessing isn't flowing from is scheming. Scheming. Let's look at verse three here. It says this, Then she said to Jacob, Here is my servant, Billah. Um, go into her in order that she may give a birth on my behalf and that I may have children through her. Here's what happens, is that, uh, that Rachel isn't having any kids, and all she wants is kids. And what she does is she comes up to Jacob and says, hey, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I know I'm not able to have kids, yet I, uh, that I have a servant who works for us, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you marry her, and then I'll have kids through her. Uh, that rather than trusting in God and waiting on the Lord, uh, that Rachel schemes and she takes all the matters into her own hands. And that Jacob, he goes along with the plan that rather than praying for Rachel's uh, you know, womb and her barrenness as Isaac did, he uh, just kind of goes along with her plan. And all over our world, we live in an instant generation. That if you're on a plane and you're, uh, the, uh, the movie isn't loading, right? You get so mad and frustrated. It's like, I can't believe this movie's not working. Yet you're flying through the sky. You have a sprite and a little cookie thing. And you're flying through the sky. And you're mad because you can't get a movie to play, right? This is a thing that we aren't very good at in our world, is waiting on the Lord. Oftentimes this happens when uh, people are waiting for a spouse. 
They're in church and they're like, man, they ain't no young single people who I'm attracted to and I'll just settle for less than God's best. And ultimately what happens is that pain oftentimes comes from that. That Rachel here compromised her covenantal faithfulness for instantaneous fruitfulness. Uh, That she traded what matters most in order to get what she wanted now. And I just want to encourage you, Vineyard, if you are waiting on something from the Lord, continue to wait. Please do not compromise. Where have you compromised? Because you're tired of waiting on the Lord. I would just encourage you, don't compromise. That's her first plan and scheme, except then Rachel has another plan. Let's read in verses 14 through 16. It says here, in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field, and he brought them to his mother Leah. And then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Except she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you also take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. Ultimately what's happening here is that there was a... um, there was a plant uh, that that had um, had traits in it that were you know, known to promote fertility. It was like an aphrodisiac plant, and uh, that Rachel had heard about these plants, and she's like, "Okay, that's the answer to my problem. I will take these mandrakes, and then I'll be able to have children." And what she does is she trades intimacy with her husband for the possibility of fruitfulness. And I just want to encourage us, we should not trade intimacy for the possibility of fruitfulness. And ultimately what happens is that uh, the the mandrakes actually aren't working and that Leah gets pregnant instead of Rachel. Our own scheming is not the way to true blessing. How do we get true blessing? Well, it isn't through scheming and it isn't through comparison. Here's number three. Is it through earning? Is it through earning? Let's look at verse 20. It says this, And then uh, Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have had six sons. Here's what's happening in this part of the passage is that Leah longs for love. Her whole life that she's haunted by her inability um, to have favor and affection from Jacob and other people around her. And in her mind that she thinks that if I am very fruitful, then I will earn his love. And all of us would say, hey, bad idea, girl. Don't don't do that. He doesn't like you. He likes Rachel. You can't earn his love. Yet isn't this what we do oftentimes with the Lord? That when we feel less than, that we try to produce more in order that he will 
honor us. And what she does is she looks horizontally for what she can only find vertically. One of the most beautiful parts of this passage, I believe, is how that that Rachel is the one who is loved by Jacob, except Leah is the one who's chosen and loved by the Lord. He loves the outcast and the unlovable. He loves the broken and uh, the overlooked. He loves those types of people just like you. And I want to speak pastorally to you for a minute. You are loved by God. Even if this whole world kind of looks at you as less than and you aren't really good enough or you have flaws in some way, just like how he loves Leah, he has a heart for the outcast and the unlovable. And here's the thing that happens, that when we know we are loved by God, uh, that we don't try to earn love from other people. We cannot earn God's love, but he freely gives it to us. Earning is not the way to true blessing. Here's number four, endless impulses. Endless impulses. Let's look at verses 22 and 23. It says this, then God remembered Rachel And he listened to her and he opened her womb and she conceived and bore a son and said that God has taken away my reproach. Except look at this. And she called his name Joseph saying, may the Lord add to me another son. I don't want you to miss this. That finally he answers her prayer. Finally, she has a son and everything's going well. But instantaneously, that she instantly has this a desire for more. That she's having a son. She just had the son and instantly says, I want more kids. Oftentimes I struggle with this, that the endless impulse I have for more hinders me from actually enjoying what's right in front of me, all the blessing that is right in front of me. And the crazy thing about her desire for more is it eventually uh, that she passes away in childbirth? That eventually her endless impulses for more eventually led to her death. And this is what happens in addiction. I know we have this all over the place, but we aren't ever truly satisfied. True satisfaction cannot be found in the stuff of this world. It's only found in God. I love this quote from John Ortberg. It says this, The truth is, the soul's infinite capacity to desire is the mirror image of God's infinite capacity to give. This endless impulse we have in our heart of, I need more love, I need more kids, I need more alcohol, I need more drugs, I need more money, I need more houses, is actually the reason why our hearts are never fully satisfied is because there's more of God to be experienced. The endless impulse that's in your heart and mind isn't made for more of this world, it's made for more of God. But if you're listening to this, man, and you need help with addiction of any kind or endless impulses at all, let us know. Help is literally available. Endless impulses are not 
the way to true blessing. Here's number five. We're getting there. Stay with me. Other spirits. Other spirits. How is true blessing found, experienced? Well, it isn't in endless impulses or earning or scheming or comparison or other spirits. Let's look in verse 27. It says this, But Laban said to Jacob, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. I don't want you to miss this. And ultimately what happens after they have all these kids and he's got Rachel and Leah and uh, he's ready to leave at this point. He's like, okay, I have served you 14 years, Laban, and I'm ready to peace up out of here. And he goes and he has a conversation with Laban and he says, Laban, all right, man, I, I've served you so well. Like, I think it's time for me to go. And ultimately what Laban had done is he had consulted other spirits, other spiritual practices, and uh, that through that process, he learned that how he was blessed was because of Jacob. It isn't his hard work, it's because of Jacob. And he tries to convince him not to leave because of that. But I wanna point this out. It oftentimes in our world that there are other spiritual practices that are common in our world today. And I mean things like tarot cards, palm readings, um, just all the new age spiritual practices, even drugs like weed and mushrooms in order to have higher spiritual experiences. And I want to tell you this, these are counterfeit powers. They are not harmless extras. They are harmful counterfeits. The substance of what you and I are looking for is not found in other spirits. It's found in Christ. The fullness of God dwelled in Jesus. He is who we are looking for. And I just want to encourage you that if you have played with any of these other things, it's like Jesus and palm readings or Jesus and these other spiritual practices that are not rooted in Christ man, I just want to encourage you to throw that stuff away, really repent and get rid of them and have someone from our church pray with you. Jump head first into Jesus. He is the spiritual power and experience that you are looking for. Flirting with these other spiritual and psychological practices is not the pathway to true blessing. And then lastly, number six, cheating. Cheating. As Christmas is approaching here in a little over a month, I love watching Christmas movies. Anybody else just love Christmas movies? Uh, But I love the, the Christmas Carol the most. Scrooge is one of my favorite characters ever uh, because he's really wealthy but how he's wealthy is through cheating others. And when Christmas comes about, if you haven't seen the movie, I hope you have, but if you haven't seen the movie that as Christmas comes about, he's 
He's a Scrooge, right? It's where we get that terminology. He hates Christmas. He wants everyone to work hard and you can't take time off and experience joy and all this. But eventually through the movie that he realizes that all the earthly blessing that he's gotten isn't really the the blessed life that he was looking for. And here in this passage is that we see that Laban tries to rip off Jacob, and uh, but ultimately that he's shrewd and uh, that God blesses Jacob instead of Laban. That Laban tries to rip off Jacob and, and cheat Jacob, yet here's the thing, true blessing isn't going to flow from injustice. And ultimately what happens is that Laban ends up empty-handed. Cheating people is not uh, the way to true blessing. It's like Scrooge. It's not going to come through just having lots of stuff through injustices. And if you have cheated someone, I'd encourage you to go and make it right. Where does true blessing come from? It isn't through comparison. It isn't through scheming. It isn't through earning. It isn't through endless impulses or other spirits or cheating others. Okay, well, if it isn't coming from any of those places, where does true blessing come from? Let's uh, look down at verse 43. And this is the end of this chapter. It closes with this. And thus, the man increased greatly. And thus, the man increased greatly. How the passage ends is that it points uh, uh, to Rachel and Leah and Jacob, and it explains that they are truly blessed. Yet as I read this passage, and I really dove into it and prayed through it, man, I asked the question, well, if true blessing isn't from any of the ways that they messed up, because as you can see, like Rachel and Leah made so many mis mistakes, right? They tried their schemes, their own strength, and they were jealous. And they had heart motivations that were all over the place. And they looked horizontally rather than vertically. Why were they still blessed? Why were Rachel and Leah still blessed? And here's what I want you to get. I want you to write this down. That it wasn't their perfect obedience that led to blessing. It was the relational proximity they had to Jacob and his family, the chosen family. The true divine blessing isn't flowing and will not come from perfect obedience, yet it will come from relational proximity to the blessed one. The only thing I can find in this passage uh, that they did right, because they did a lot wrong, the only thing I can find in this passage that they did right was their relational connection to Jacob and his blessed family. So where does true blessing come from? It comes from relational proximity to the blessed one. think oftentimes for people like me that I struggle with this because I think if I 
cross all my T's and I dot all my I's and I perfectly obey Jesus, then the blessing will come. Except this story seems to tell us, man, to just breathe. We're not going to obey perfectly, yet we can be relationally connected to the blessed one. I believe the message of the entire Bible is that God's purposes prevail through human shortcomings. That over and over again, Adam and Eve, all the way through the end of the entire Bible, that people make mistakes, they fall short, yet still the purposes of God still prevail in the midst of human shortcomings. And this is the essence of the gospel. That there's a real God who created everything and he blessed humanity and yet we turned away from him and that led to emptiness and conflict and lack of blessing. And he's a holy God and therefore his wrath is on all of our sin. And yet he's also a loving father. And he loves you and I so much that he sent his son Jesus who was a real person, who lived a perfect life in our place, was crucified on a criminal's cross and rose from the grave, conquering sin and Satan and death. And he hopped up from the grave. He hung out for about 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. He left his Holy Spirit, and he promises, I will come back one day. Yet, how he says that we can enter into that blessing of intimacy with God is not through perfect obedience to the law, right? This is what Paul says over and over again in the New Testament, is that it's not through works that you're saved. It is through grace and faith in Jesus. And ultimately what happens when we place our faith in Jesus is that we enter into the family of God, this blessed family line that started in Abraham and then went to King David and now is in Jesus and all who place their faith in him. I want to close with a story. A parable of sorts. I want you to picture this. There's this huge kingdom, this huge palace with this uh, king in it and, and this huge royal family. And outside of the huge uh, palace walls is an orphan. And uh, this orphan uh, lost his family at a very young age. They passed away and he hardly has enough food to eat. He eats scraps out of the trash can. And that one day the king is out walking about and he looks at this orphan on the side of the road. And he says, hey, do you want to come in and have a meal with us? And he's like, oh my gosh, I've always dreamt of, of all the food in there, like the filet mignon, like, like the, man, the sweet potato, like whatever you got. I've dreamt of these awesome things. And he says, yes, yes, yeah, I'll, I'll come. So he comes in with the king and they have a feast. And he just eats his heart out, right? He eats everything that's there. And the king you know, looks at him at the end of the meal and he says, hey, um, my Family and I have talked about this and, and that we've uh, kind of observed you out there for a while and that we want to ask you to join our family. Would you want to be a part of our family, that we'd adopt you? And he, he smiled, the orphan smiled. He's like, oh, I, I, absolutely. I'd love to be a part of the family. And as time goes by, 
He enjoys the blessing of the kingdom. He enjoys the food. Man, he enjoys all the earthly blessings, his own room, right? He's not cold anymore at night. Like he, he enjoys all the blessings of the kingdom. Yet he realizes that what he enjoys the most is intimacy with the king. It isn't all the blessings that he loves and, and crave for so long, but he realizes that intimacy with a king, with the father, is actually what he always longed for. And this is our story as well. That a whole lot of this world would say true blessing is having lots of stuff. It's experiencing all the blessings of the kingdom. Except what scripture paints the picture of is true blessing is actually intimacy with the God of the universe. Who if we place our faith in Jesus, we are sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Man, And when we know the king, that we won't need to compare ourselves to others because we're honored by the king. He, he speaks life over us. That we won't need to scheme, but rather we'll pray and plan and work hard and trust the Lord. That we won't try to earn God's love or earn other people's love because His love is freely given. Oh man, and we won't need to pursue endless impulses because we'll be richly satisfied in God. And uh, that we won't mess with other spirits because that we'll know the true power in the Holy Spirit. And we won't cheat and use others because we have an abundance and we will overflow that blessing to lots who have needs. This is true blessedness. I just spilled my water right there. This is true blessedness. How to be truly blessed isn't from perfect obedience, yet it's from a relational proximity to the blessed one. And if you're here, and you're hearing my voice right now, and you're listening to this message, um, and if you feel like Leah, unloved, trying to earn love horizontally, I just want to encourage you to receive the love of God here today. He loves you. His love is on offer. And if you're hearing this and you're like Rachel, that you're in a period of waiting, that you've heard some promises from the Lord, or you've asked him for some things, and you're like, man, he, he hasn't come through yet. I, I want to compromise and, and head into other schemes and other ways of pursuing that. I want to encourage you to keep praying, keep trusting, keep clinging to the blessed one. He sees you and he loves you. And then there are people who are listening right now that as I talked about Jesus and how to be closely connected with him, that you realize that, that you aren't connected to him, that you're a lot more like that orphan on the outside of the kingdom than in close intimacy with the king inside the kingdom. And I just want to encourage you that just like I told that parable of how the king came along and invited the orphan into his family, that's how Jesus is speaking to you right now. I'm going to welcome you into my kingdom. 
All you got to do is turn from your sin and place your faith. You just have to act on what the king is inviting you to do. Throw yourself at his feet and say, I'd, I'd love to be your son or daughter. Vineyard, I love you. But as we close, I want to remind you again that true blessing isn't from perfect obedience. It's through relational proximity to the blessed one. Love you, Vineyard. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.